It's good to be alive. So we've been discussing leadership and walking through the life of David and um, just looking at his life, his life and the people around him, their lives, and just trying to learn some leadership skills through these stories. And there's so many of them that uh, I'm going to go as long as I can until you guys get tired of me preaching on David because there's a lot of them. And I've walked through this years ago on my own personal journey. And so we just saw David and, and from the very beginning, how he was anointed, how he was anointed of God, but he also had to serve God to grow up the ladder. And in serving God, we saw through David's life that he was serving people. And that's what we, how we serve God is we serve people. If you're not into people, you're not into God. You know, it's like when Peter said, do you love me? And Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep then. The Bible also says that he says he loves me and has hate for his brother. Well, true love of God is not in them. And so if we're going to serve God, we do it by treating and serving people well. And so we saw him getting into position by serving people and saw how God was making amazing relationships with David. And we saw how the first big relationship that came about was Jonathan, was Saul's son. And they became very close and they, they even had a covenant together. And so we saw last week that David had a good relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan, but that David was succeeding. And King Saul, because the Spirit of God had departed from him, became very, very jealous. And we looked at the scripture last week that said, thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. And we saw that last week at how delusional people can become, how we can become in envy and strife or different temptations in life. We can become delusional. The first line says, Saul knew that the Lord was with him. And the last line says, so that he became David's enemy. Imagine putting those two together, seeing that the Lord is with somebody and therefore you become his enemy. That's how delusional Saul had become, could recognize that God was with David and still wanted to be his enemy. And I start to think in our own lives, where do we do that? Where do we become so angry that we do things that God is not into? You know, or we, we, we follow things that we shouldn't follow and end up doing a bunch of stuff that God is not into. And we become so delusional about life that we end up doing things that God is not only not into, but oftentimes he's even against. And so our goal is to be with God our entire lives. That is our main goal in life is to is to seek out our life with God and how we are to be with him. That's our daily, daily journey. And we should never, ever get away from that. But we need to understand that we can get so messed up in the flesh sometimes that we can become so delusional about how we're acting. Sometimes it'll even take other people to show us how we're acting. So that's my quick review. And I'm just going to take on one or two points today. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, 27 to 32. And it says this, and it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. So David used to sit at the table with Saul and Jonathan. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has sacrificed in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to eat at the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan and said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. 
And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? So in this story, Saul is saying to Jonathan, what are you doing? Do you not realize that you are helping out the one that is going to take your kingdom? See, Jonathan's next in line to be king. And Saul is saying to his son, why are you being so stupid? You're in line to be the king. Why are you helping him escape? We need to kill him so that you can be next in line for the king. And so my leadership lesson for today is a good leader will never compromise for personal gain. A good leader will never, or a godly leader, will never compromise for personal gain. And this is something that we need to look at ourselves because we all do it to a certain degree from, you know, the little things to the big things. We compromise for personal gain. And Saul was in such a state of delusion again, but Jonathan, his son, was not that way with God. Jonathan was a man who loved God and a man who was in covenant with David. He would have been the next in line to be the king. And let me tell you, Jonathan, when you read the life of Jonathan, Jonathan had all what it would take to be a good king. Jonathan would have made an excellent king. He was a great leader. He was a loyal person. He was a great warrior. You see him in battle later. He would have had everything it took to become king in presence and in character. But it's the very character that he would have been a good king with is what he chose to keep him from being king. He had a choice. He could have gone after the kingdom violently, but his character wouldn't allow him that. The very character that would have made him be a good king kept him out of position from being king because his character was more important to him than the position. That's a lesson for us. Your character, my character, on how we act and how we do things in life and how we treat people and so on is more important than the position we can get out of that. The money we can get out of that. The fulfillment of being angry with someone that we get out of that. Fame, fortune, whatever it may be. A promotion at work. Tearing somebody else down is not worth the win. Matter of fact, I had to speak with somebody this week and um, he was just starting to talk to me and he was starting to tear down different businesses and places. And whether I agree with, agree with him or not, um, we don't do that around here. So I just had to say to him, listen, we learn around here that for us to win, we don't have to tear somebody else down to win. For this business organization to win, we don't need to tear another organization down to win. And so in business, we need to be like that. In church, we need to be like that. You know, oftentimes we're heading off to churches and different things. And, and if you leave here, don't tear me down. Or if you come here from someplace else, don't tear them down. God does not pick a winner because he tore someone else down. He picks a winner because he elevates them because of their servanthood and their character, right? And so he had character to be king, yet the very character he had kept him from being king. Jonathan was able to see that the anointing of God had left his father and that being a king without God's pat on the back, God's anointing, is not the journey we want to follow. And that's the same thing. It's Father's Day today. And that's what I'm always like, even raising my boy. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he's older, he'll not depart from it. You see, there's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. 
They're all father and sons, right? And so even though I've been given a son as a steward, my ultimate goal with my boy is to make sure that he's got that relationship with God. And if it means following in my footsteps, I want to make sure that following in my footsteps is what God would want him to do. And we've had many discussions, Jonathan and, and I, about this. And even our trips and hunting trips, we have just amazing discussions on, on the way there and work things through. And, but one of those things is that, following God and making sure that we never, ever mess with our integrity, mess with how we treat people, mess with how we do things in order to get elevated in the kingdom of God. Otherwise, we truly don't trust God. That's why we do it. Do you know why we're mean to other people? Is to tear them down so they don't get our position. But you know what that is? It means you truly don't believe God. Because if we truly believed God, that he's the one that exalts us when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that you wouldn't care what everybody else is doing or who's coming against you because when God gets ready to promote us, nothing can stop that. And that's why we need to build our relationship with God. And the more we do, the more secure and the more courage we have in life because we are secure in who he has made us to be. Jonathan knew that the anointing of God was on David. Jonathan served his father, but he didn't serve him above God. I want to just stop there for a second. Just let that sink in. I'm not going to talk much about it, but I want that to sink in. Jonathan served his father Saul, but not above serving God. We can put things in place of God because God says they're good, but not above serving God. You know, if your friend or your spouse tries to get you to do something ungodly, right? You know what I'm saying? Not above serving God. And so that is the very reason that Jonathan served David even above his father. It wasn't that he wanted to be out of order in the family. It was that he had chosen to serve God above man. And even if he had to come against his father not to lose his integrity with God, he was going to do that. And I don't have to give all the examples. We can fill in the blanks where that might be. You know, where do we maybe compromise rather than serving God above all things? So integrity is a big thing. And the question for myself and for you this morning is what would cause, what kind of temptation would cause me to falter on my integrity? Would money make me do it? Would power make me do it? Would fame? Would you put down somebody else in the hearing of a boss or somebody just because you might have a better chance to get into that situation? What about pride? Would pride keep you from reconciliation? Would pride keep you from treating people well? Anger. What is it that gets in the way of our integrity. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's tough. That's a tough scripture. Do not love the world or the things in the world. There's a lot of stuff in this world that we go after. Money, cars, relationships. There's a lot of stuff we go after. And it doesn't mean that those things are bad. It means that we're not to love them. It means that we are to love God and allow him to place certain things in our lives. If he blesses you with a home, wonderful. But are you going to kill yourself and everyone around you to get a home? If he blesses with you a car, that's wonderful. But are you going to kill everyone around you and step on everyone to get the car or the promotion or whatever it may be? God prospers people on the earth. He does. It's part of his covenant with his children. 
but he will never allow money to get ahead of him or fame to get ahead of him or any sort of lust to get ahead of him. And so we need to trust him enough to just seek after him and do things his way. And if he allows those things to come into our lives, that's a good father. That's a good father. And it's even a better father because he's the one giving it to us. And therefore, they will never become our idol. They will, they will never become our God. They will never become our father. How many of you have had stuff that almost became a God to you? You know, I've had those things in my life. And you know, oftentimes throughout the years, the Lord has got me to give those things away. Because they can be tough. Some things, man, they're just like some things, whether it be a guitar or a car or whatever it may be, some things, and I think that's good practice to get into, is giving stuff away. Why? Because when you give stuff away, it doesn't own you. It doesn't own you. And ultimately, when you sow seed in the right way, God always prospers you back anyways. But that's not the motive for giving. The motive for giving is that we're serving people. Is if all you ever think about is my seed is going to get me something back, you've missed the will of God. We give because we're givers. We give because we're generous. Yes, we love the fact that our father piles it back on. Yes, we love the fact that if we give, he gives back. Press down, shaking together and running over some men put into our bosom. Yes, we understand that if we throw our bread on the water, he brings it back. Yes, all the scriptures, I can name them all. But the motive for giving as a New Testament person who is connected to God, who is in love with God, who God lives on the inside of us, the motive needs to be to serve to give, to bless somebody else. And when that's our motive, envy's hard to get on us. We were talking about envy last week and how delusional Saul got over envy. Give it away. Give it away. We're supposed to live or give our entire lives away anyways. And I don't mean you have to run home and give it all away like the rich young ruler. We've gone over that scripture before. He was an example. God doesn't expect that out of us unless he asks for it. And the reason why he asked the rich young ruler for it is because everything the rich young ruler had was his God. And that was the whole conversation. Give it all away. If you truly want to, you have one God left in your life. Give it all away. And when he left, the disciples said, what was that about? If we have to give all our money away, the disciples said, who can be saved then? And that's when Jesus said, listen, it's harder for those who trust in riches. Trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And he went on to say, listen, if that guy would have, he would have gotten back lands and money and all this stuff. And he said, not just in heaven, he said, in this life and in heaven, he said, the kingdom of God. God's not concerned about us being blessed. He's concerned about us being his people and him being our God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All right. So integrity is one of those things that we can't throw. We can't throw it away. Um, we can't love the world or the, or the love of God is not in us. And so the Bible talks about all sorts of different temptations and ways to lose our integrity. And it often breaks it into three areas. There's more than that. But the lust of the flesh, um, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus was a perfect example of that when he first came to the earth. The Bible says that he was led out into the wilderness and tempted of the devil for 40 days. And he says, the devil came to him and said, after 40 days of hunger, he said, if you be the son of God, turn this rock into bread. And Jesus had the ability to do it. That's why it's a temptation. It's not a temptation if he doesn't have the ability to do it. 
He said, turn it to bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone. But every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's awesome, right? Five minutes later, he might have been the will of God and he might have turned it to bread. But that wasn't his Lord, right? And so secondly, then the devil took him to the high pinnacle and said, throw yourself off this. Because it's written in Psalm 91 that the angels will pick you up lest you dash your foot against a stone which the devil actually misquoted in that moment. And so Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And that's one we need to step out all the time. Oftentimes we want to bring God into our situation. That, this is what this temptation was about. We want to bring God into our situation rather than us go into God with his situation for us. Does that make sense? God, I'm going to do this and you're coming with me. God, I'm going to date this person and you're going to bless me. God, I'm going to go here and I'm going to make money this way and it doesn't matter if I've lost my integrity. Bless me. But that's jumping off and expecting Jesus to save us. He says, I'll not tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. I'll not tempt the Lord thy God. So what should we be doing? We should be walking with God into all these situations. It doesn't mean he's going to tell us every situation to walk in. There's some black and white stuff that we know we're not supposed to be doing. The Bible's very clear about a whole lot of stuff we shouldn't get involved with. But for personally, what kind of business maybe you should start or where you should work or whatever, you're not necessarily going to hear a voice from heaven saying, go do this. But if we're walking and talking with all God all day long and we're going to job interviews and talking with God and the peace of God becomes our umpire. And if we end up in the wrong place, well, we can trust God to get us out then. Because we're not tempting him. We're not telling him that he has to do what we want him to do and jump off a building and say, you better catch me. You just might not land the way you think you're going to land. Right? And that's not how we're supposed to live life. And then the devil took Jesus again and showed him the kingdoms of the world. He says, I'll give it all to you. And Jesus says, I'll worship the Lord thy God and him only. She'll worship him. And so these are things that we just need to line up in life. To me, it's just really simple. It's simple. It's not simple to do life, but it's simple on how we should do life. Pretty simple. Walk with God and try to do what he wants. Right? Walk by faith and not by feelings because a lot of the things that God wants us to do, I don't feel like doing. But that's what temptation is. Temptation is all about the feelings. I got all sorts of feelings. I got, there's all sorts of things that I want to do that I shouldn't do. But by faith, I say no. I'm not saying I never fall or stumble. But my choice is no, that's not what God wants me to do. That's all walking by faith is. Walking by faith is so simple. It's choosing to do what God wants us to do rather than what our feelings are telling us to do. And we're such in a feeling season right now. Will I feel this way? Will I feel that way? Will I feel this way and that way? My goodness. It's like... Nobody would last in a relationship if they acted on every feeling outside of their marriage. Right? So why are we giving control to feelings? But the whole society is starting to do that. How do you feel? You should do what you feel. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Why? Because we've been created by God. Now, if the inventor invents something, he knows how it should run. And if God invented us, if God created us, he knows how we should run. And that's why it's dangerous to say, God, no, I'm doing this. I'm going to run this way. He's like, you're not designed to run that way. And so therefore, anything that we do that we're not designed to do, it's not that he's punishing us. It just hurts. It's like you try to take a Maserati where I go hunting. 
you will wreck the car in the first half a mile, right? And if you take my truck and try to do NASCAR with it, I'm in big trouble there. God knows what he designed his creation to be like. And so he wrote a manual and said, this is how we should walk in life. He left a lot up to us on choices and the little things and all these things, but he gave us direction in every area of our lives. And it's not that he punishes his children every time we make a wrong move. We punish ourselves because we take our motorbike on the train track, right? That ain't gonna end well, right? And that's why we always get into pain. Like I always talk about, I don't have time to do it now, but my kidney stone, it was like, kidney stone put me on my knees like a crying baby in my pajamas in a hospital in the middle of the night with people all around in the waiting room acting like I would never act in front of a human being. It was so painful. And uh, I thought about it later and the lady told me, well, there's this real ninja star kind of stone that isn't supposed to be there that's lodged. And it was just one of those same moments. It's like, that hurts because that's not supposed to be there. That tube was never designed to take a ninja star, right? And that's how life is. We go through so much pain because we choose to do things that God never designed us to do. And so I got kind of sidetracked here today, but I think I got sidetracked in the right way. And so let's end it right there. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said that every good and perfect gift comes down from you, the father of lights and who there's no shadow or variation of turning. You said that if you gave your only son, how much more would you freely give us all good things? You're a wonderful God who provides, who prospers, who heals, who frees us from bondage, addiction, yokes. You are a wonderful father. We praise you for that. But Lord, help us to be more receptive to your teaching. Help us to be better disciples and children of you. Help us, Lord, to be more sensitive to where you're leading us down paths. That we follow them. Help us to be more obedient to your word that tells us to walk in love and to treat people with kindness and to want people raised up and people to prosper other than ourselves. Not who we just pick and choose, but whom you have put on this earth. Help us to even love and bless our enemies. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you even this morning, even right now, your healing elements. You're freeing people from bondage, removing yokes and destroying burdens. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. You are amazing. Help us to be good leaders in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen.